We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. In the crowded race for mayor of Chicago, he's the candidate with the least campaign cash and is probably at best tied for the lowest name recognition. But what he may lack in money and visibility, he seems to make up in energy and enthusiasm, and he's definitely got some ideas about moving the city forward. This weekend, it's a conversation with mayoral hopeful John Kozlar. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest is the youngest candidate in the mayor's race. John Kozlar is 30, but he's no political novice. He's run for alderman twice before in the venerable 11th Ward. The first time in 2011, he was 21 and started with about $500. He lost to incumbent James Balser, but ran strongly. In the next election, Balser didn't run, and Mr. Kozlar forced Patrick Daly-Thompson into a runoff. He lost to now Alderman Thompson, but he did okay up against a daily. Now he is running in a contest with another daily. John Kozlar is a lawyer with a bachelor's degree in political science. He works for Aon now. He's proven himself outspoken in the mayoral forums in which he's participated. And this weekend, he's here to air some of his views and proposals. John Kozlar, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, some candidates in this race uh, have spent a lot of time trying to tie each other to Alderman Edward Burke, who's charged with attempted extortion. What does even the atmosphere of this race say about what's wrong or right about Chicago politics? Well, a lot of the people that we keep electing are the same people over and over, and that's because we keep having the same problems. We're talking about the same issues in the year 19, sorry, the same issues in the year 2019 that we were talking about in the year 1980, and that's crime, education, and city finances. And a lot of these players who are all in this race, the four of them who jumped in after Rom dropped out, uh, they're all part of that network. And the network is corruption. And what corruption entails in the city of Chicago is taking care of your family and friends, be a part of this play-to-pay politics, and put Chicago in second. And that's wrong. We have to start putting Chicagoans first because a lot of our neighborhoods are unfortunately taking the brunt of all these results and being left out. And we have to change the system. Um, One of the pledges you make uh, to the voters is that you uh, want to dismantle the Chicago machine, which has, you say, destroyed the city and left the public with a bad opinion about city government. Well, the late Mayor Harold Washington tried to do that, uh, but the machine seems to keep rearing its head, as you point out. What could even a mayor do, and especially a mayor who isn't tied to that system, uh, keep the uh, machine from being reincarnated. Well, when you elect somebody new like myself and who has fresh ideas and not is not tied to the past, then what you start to do is change the system. A lot of the identity in Chicago is this network of political corruption, but when you elect new individuals who are not a part of that network, that network starts to decline and they lose their strength because the mayor of Chicago is somebody who represents the city but that individual has to work directly with the residents. But what we have now is a mayor who only works with his family and friends and keeps that network intact. So when you elect somebody new, 
you then break up that network. But that network is still uh, in the city council, at which you would have to deal with. How do you power through uh, things that you want to do if you still have to get basically 26 votes? Well, the good thing about all these FBI investigations, a lot of the aldermen who are currently running for re-election, their jobs are at stake. And I think a lot of people are waking up in the wards and will then therefore elect new aldermen who represent the community members and their future. What we don't need is the same individuals who, to keep getting elected because then we will end up with the same results. And we do not need that in the city of Chicago. But I am willing to work with any individual, whether it's a uh, alderman who's been in there for the last five or 10 years or, or new alderman. But what we need is to make drastic changes in the city of Chicago when it comes to policy, because I do not want to talk about these issues, crime, education, and city finances in the next four years, because we've been talking about that for the last 30. Um, how does someone who isn't in government reform a system that he's not been a part of? I mean, you don't know the system as well as some others might. Well, it all comes down to judgment. So I am somebody who's grown here my whole life for 30 years in the city of Chicago. I went to great academic institutions. I went to Mount Carmel High School, the University of Chicago, and I am a trained attorney. So an attorney, they're trained to identify issues and then come up with solutions. And the other big thing is I've been in the community. So I ran a nonprofit organization for eight years on the south side of Chicago. And what we did, we took 550 boys and girls ages 3 to 13 off of the streets. And I worked with seven different neighborhoods to do that. And I would use those same skill sets and transfer them to the mayor's position. But the city is a humongous uh, entity to uh, try to run. And frankly, even someone with great experience uh, as a manager, and we've had a few of them, even Mayor Emanuel, found that there was a lot of difficulty in getting things done. Well, yeah, it, it is difficult. And we have to understand that political experience in Chicago doesn't mean it's going to be good experience. For instance, we had the person who, like you named Rahm Emanuel, he was a right-hand man to the president of the United States. And with all that political experience, we still are left with the same problems. So I, in my opinion, we need somebody who is fresh, who is young, who is not tied to the past, who will strictly make decisions on what is right for the city of Chicago and not have to worry about paying off certain individuals who are campaign donors. We need somebody with fresh ideas and a new start to the political process in our city. Let me ask you, who, did, who do you trust for advice about things that you might not have an expertise in, like finance, uh, public safety, infrastructure, and the like? Who would be your, to use the old political term, kitchen cabinet, the people right. that you would go depend on to help guide you. Right. And, th and that's what the new mayor has to do. They have to check his or her ego at the door and realize, you know what? We don't know. We don't have all the answers, but we have to surround ourselves with a good team. And the good thing about this election, I've experienced working with many candidates and each of us has our own unique skill set. We all have something to offer to the table. Can you imagine if we all sat down in a room, work together and then come up with a new system for our politics in the city? I mean, we have great candidates, again, with different ideas, but we have to work together to move forward. And I would be a great mayor because I would tie all these ideas into one and put everybody in, in the same room and work together because that's what needs to happen if we're going to make Chicago a better place for everybody. But we can't continue the process that we're doing now. We have to check our egos at the door, listen to one another, 
and come up with the best solutions in order to make our city a better place. So you wouldn't be above uh, trying to uh, have somebody who you've opposed in the campaign join you in a new administration. No, but they cannot be, t- they cannot be corrupt individuals. I will not, I don't, I have no time uh, for anybody who's corrupt because their intentions are wrong. And I, we've learned who these corrupt politicians are. I will be willing to work with anybody, but I don't want to jeopardize the city of Chicago. So I would work with people who care about our city and who have a good track record of, of not only judgment, but their skill sets, whether it be education, whether it be city finances, or whether it be crime. And we again, there are many people in the city of Chicago who we can recruit, but I feel a lot of them are discouraged by the current political administration and they're feeling left out, and I would change that whole system. Well, I want to talk about some of the individual issues, so let's talk about the big one first. That's finance. Right. Uh, you don't want to raise property taxes to pay off the city's pension debt, but just to get the numbers out there, starting in 2020, over just three years, the city's pension debt is going to rise more than $800 million. What would you do to attack that debt? A few things. One, I am the only can talking about this. Starting in the year 2020, any new employee, meaning they've never worked for the city of Chicago, they have to go on to a defined contribution system, be it a 401k or a 403b. So what we're doing there is stopping the bleeding because we're not adding new employees to the problem. But in doing so, we are protecting the current employees because they have been paying into their pensions, and we are protecting current retirees because they also have been paying their pensions. It's just we had corrupt politicians over the years gamble these pensions away. Bill Daly and his family are, are a part of that problem. The other thing we have to do is increase revenue, and I have a specific plan, which is leasing the naming rights of our bridges. The bridges in Chicago are these burgundy-style bridges. Uh, there is... You know, they have the LaSalle Street Bridge. They have the Monroe Bridge, the State Street Bridge. None of these bridges are bringing in revenue right now, but it's a great idea and an asset that Chicago can bring in revenue. So you lease the naming rights of our bridges, and that will generate $200 million a year in new revenue to the city of Chicago without increasing anybody's taxes. The other part is we we have $487 million in overtime pay. I would reduce that to $150 million. So right off the bat, I just came up with over a half a billion dollars in not only new revenue, but savings for the city of Chicago. How would you reduce the overtime? Uh, I mean, some of that is is police and and, and fire, uh, and these are services that have to be performed. Right, but that's when we need to, the reason why we can't hire more people is because of the pensions, right? So they were saying it's $100,000 a year just to um, recruit somebody. But if you'd say new employees are going on a 401k plan or a 403b plan, now you can employ new people that will then take over that need for overtime. But I will still concentrate on police and fire uh, as far as if overtime is needed, but we have to have a budget in place having a cap on the amount of overtime. We can't keep having $487 million in overtime. So I would reduce that to $150 million, but concentrate on police and fire. Where else do you believe the city can make cuts? Well, here's the thing. We have the big four auditing firms in the city of Chicago. These are professionals, and we talked earlier earlier about recruiting the best of the best in each field. So I would have a forensic, unbiased audit of all of our city finances. The current administration said they were going to do that in 2011 because it was election year. And of course, once that individual got elected, he decided not to do it. And I don't know what's what these individuals are hiding inside of our budget, and I'm sure there's something. Uh, and there's probably a lot of waste there. But in order to identify this waste, 
we need professionals to come in these auditing firms to do an un, uh, to to do an unbiased forensic audit of our books, and then we will identify how money is being spent in the city of Chicago. Are you not satisfied with the job that uh, that Joseph Ferguson has been doing as Inspector General because he has been doing, if not financial audits, but he's been doing procedural audits and talking about where money is being wasted. Well, I think he, he's not given a lot of power, and I think he's just touching on the tip of the iceberg. I am talking about a full forensic audit of our books, and that is something that comes from the top, from the mayor, allowing that to happen. And I, as the mayor of Chicago, will do that. I will allow the big four auditing firms to come in to work with us to identify any kind of waste and how we can better suit our, two, our 2019 budget. Now, so far you've talked about uh, where money is is going out and shouldn't be, where would money come in? What uh, what besides the leasing of the names on bridges, where else would you look for revenue? Well, here's the thing: the city of Chicago operates on a 10.67 billion dollar budget. When I first ran for alderman, just eight years ago, that was seven billion dollars. So we've increased the revenues. Over the last eight years, it's just we continue to mismanage this money. And what I would do differently is make sure to be honest with the city of Chicago residents and not tax them because the revenue is already there. It's just we have to allocate it apportionately and equitably. The people who have been managing our budget have obviously not done a good job. And I had enough of this taxing people out of our city. And we've been doing that by raising property taxes, by having an individual say they want to do a soda tax that thankfully backfired on that administration. And more importantly, we have these uh, tenants who are getting taxed out because when we when we increase the property taxes, we then put it on the landlord. The landlord then put puts that on the tenant for rent. And individuals who have been here for so long in the city of Chicago for many generations can no longer live here, and we're pushing them out of our neighborhoods. But that's that's terrible, and I say that because we've been a lot, investing a lot of money in downtown Chicago, but we've been forgetting about the neighborhoods that make up our city, and that will change under my administration. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but you would not support something like a commuter tax, uh, no. city income tax. No. Um, you do support casino gaming, do you not? Yeah, so casino, I would do a city-owned and operated casino along the lakefront uh, because I don't want it to be in a neighborhood, and that could potentially ruin the morale of the neighborhood. And it could get individuals who are get addicted to it, and all they have to do is go down their block. So I would have it uh, on the lakefront in the downtown Chicago area, more importantly right by the old McCormick Place, because that's already wired for a casino. So we wouldn't have to pay extra money to put a casino in that building. The other part is the recreational marijuana. That's going to happen from the state. I just want to make sure, one, it stays out of the hands of 10 to 12-year-old children. And, uh, but again, that's going to be an additional revenue source. But it's not going to be enough to get us out of this this situation we're in right now with finances, which is why I propose the leasing and naming rights of our bridges and having a uh, cap on our overtime pay. But we can recruit new employees once we make these changes. And the thing that upsets the, me the most is that the solutions are right in front of us. We just have politicians who are afraid to make those decisions because they have already been bought. They have all, a lot of these campaign contributions allows them allows their minds to be clouded and therefore not make rational decisions. And I, again, feel that we need somebody like myself who is not, or who's not bought and who will simply make decisions by listening to the city of Chicago to move it forward. 
You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and my guest is John Kozlar. He is candidate for mayor of Chicago. Uh, let's move on to public safety, another big issue on the minds of a lot of Chicagoans. Um, you say, let the police do their job. Now, what does that mean in the context of the court-supervised consent decree that the city is now under? Well, Craig, the, the, the big issue is that in Chicago, there is too much tension going on between the police and the communities. And my specific plan in order to reduce that tension is a 60-40 plan, that in order to police in a given district, 60% of the police officers have to live in that district. So now they'll be seen as community members and not as outsiders. They're going to know the neighborhood better. They're going to know the residents better. And they're going to be growing their families in that neighborhood. So naturally, they're going to want it to be safe. And there's 22 districts in Chicago. And we're not telling people, hey, you're forced to live, to, forced to move to another district. No, no. We are saying that if you live in the south side of Chicago, we want you to stay in that area. Because, again, you are going to know the culture of the residents. And over time, that will reduce the tension and therefore reduce the amount of crime in Chicago because we're going to build the trust that is needed in our city. And then they will have better cooperation between our community members and police department. But I'm, I don't know how, to what degree you're going to find police already living in the kind of communities where they might be the most needed. You know, you can go to the northwest side and the southwest side of the city and you can find a lot of police who are living there. Right. Go to Englewood, not so much. Well, so yeah, well, Engle, Engle, Englewood is, is a neighborhood. Uh, there's there's roughly seven to eight different neighborhoods within a district. So we want to make sure that we pr- keep it in a district, not necessarily a neighborhood, but the actual district. The district is bigger than, uh, like I said, a neighborhood. So we're keeping, I would, I would look at it like this. So there's 22 districts in Chicago. People who live on the south side of Chicago, they're going to know south side of Chicago better than the north side. It's just having north side individuals come all the way on the south side and police is just not working. But the biggest part of that is it's 60-40. So it's not 100% coming from one area. It's 60% are, and the other 40% are coming outside of that district. Do you believe that you could get the Fraternal Order of Police to get behind this? Yeah, and here's the thing about the police department. They are doing a really good job. We keep telling them that, hey, this one bad apple means a broad brush for the whole department. No, that's not true at all. They have hard jobs in front of them where they have to carry a gun to work and protect us. We have to be willing to work with not only the Chicago Police Department, but with the FOP. And when we do that, when we sit down and have a, a, a blunt conversation, that's when we start to come up with specific ideas like the one I have in place. And what that will do is reduce the tension in our city because I don't want to open up a newspaper and see another one-year-old shot and that individual getting away with it. Our clearance rate in the city of Chicago is 17%. So our current system and what we're doing right now is not working. The... Um civilian oversight panel that is has been promised i mean the, the we, copa is the civilian office of police accountability so there's supposed to be civilians in there somewhere how do you believe such an oversight panel should be structured what kind of power should it have well i think that like i said the police department should be doing their jobs in the sense that they are have been trained to do the job in hand it's just we they need the backing of city council and city government they have not been getting that unfortunately but here's the thing the residents also have this mistrust, and that's why we have to all sit down and work together. So this police oversight, I would make sure that the individuals on that board are professionals in the sense that they have been involved in policing, but also include community activists so we can all work together to make Chicago a better place. I would not simply 
recruit people for the sake of it, for having a COPA, right? I want people who know what the job entails via they've been through the training before and then also incorporate people who've already been on the ground with community activists. Now, when you're talking about working with the uh, the FOP, the U police union has been pretty much defiant of the consent decree that is, in fact, in place and will be uh, supervised by a court-appointed monitor. Um, how do you overcome that resistance? And And I understand you have some concerns about some of the things in the right there's a few the things that decree. yeah there's a few things that i agree with and there's a few things that i don't agree with I, what i do agree with and i think the police officers will also agree is that we just have continuing training just like a lawyer or a doctor or any other profession they have continuing education we would have more training for our police department just so that they know the update they're updating their skills and updating any kind of uh, protection for them be it equipment uh, different strategies in place and, and how to police. So we want to give them as much training as, as they have, as they can, just so that they are prepared and moving forward. The one thing that I do not agree is that every time a police officer pulls out his or her gun, that they have to write a report about that. Because when you take, when you, when they have to write a report and document everything, you're then taking them off of the streets. And now we have less police officers policing the districts. And that's concerning because we need as much policing as possible and having them do a lot of uh, paperwork and administrative tasks that will reduce the morale of the police department and make our neighborhoods less safe. Um, and I think the, as I understand it, the rule is if they pull their guns and point them at someone, right, which is a, a different uh, thing. I mean, in some de- departments, and I admit I, I know maybe some even from outside of Illinois, they consider pointing a gun at someone a use of force, and use of force reports have to be right. have to be made. Well, well here, here's the other thing. So let's just say a police officer knows that he or she has to write a report every time they take out their gun and point it, now they're going to think twice about taking out their gun. And let's just say that there's a situation where the other individual has a gun, be it the criminal. Now we are talking about a situation where the police officer could be delayed in pulling out a gun and then cost him or her his life. And I don't want that situation because I don't think we should lose any more police officers to gun violence, in which we lost four last year. And uh, the same token, I don't want individuals being shot. So, again, this comes down to everybody has to come to the table and work together. And I think having a new individual like myself in City Hall where I'm willing to work with everybody will be a big, big change. Let's uh, let's keep it in the neighborhoods for a little bit here. Uh, how do you attract more resources to struggling neighborhoods? You pointed out downtown seems to be getting most of the development. The poorer neighborhoods are not. What do you do? Well, the TIF funds have were meant for to be invested in blighted areas. It's just we invested that in non-blighted areas. We have all these TIF funds circling into the inner city, meaning downtown Chicago. We funneled it in from the south side to downtown. We funneled in from the west side to downtown. And that was wrong, but that was made by these current politicians. So what I would do is use the TIF funds for their intended areas, meaning the south blighted areas, south side of Chicago, southeast side of Chicago, the west side of Chicago. You know where the TIF funds were used currently? They were used in Navy Pier, Block 37, and the Wills Tower. Those are not blighted areas. So we have to invest in our neighborhoods, which we'll do under my administration. And the other big part is we have to start listening to the residents on what they need in their, in their, in their areas. We, for instance, in the city of Chicago, have our politicians be the ones who dictate what's going on. And I'm sorry, the mayor does not know what's going on in the south side of Chicago. They don't know what's going on in the west side of Chicago. But the people who do are the ones that live there. 
We just have to be willing to listen to them. Would you get rid of um, aldermanic prerogative? or Because the aldermen would argue that they do know what's going on in their neighborhoods and they should have some say about what comes in and what doesn't. Well, that's the current system. And we're not investing on the south side and we're not investing on the west side. So that current system is not working. These aldermen, unfortunately, step on a pedestal and then look down upon the communities. And then that's why we get into this trouble of this pay-to-play politics. These, a lot of these aldermen are, are, have already been bought by developers. They have already been bought by donors. And they are then putting Chicago in second. So this aldermanic prerogative, that needs to end. The other thing that needs to end is outside jobs for our city council. Because then you get into a situation of Burke or Madigan. And again, this is, I don't want to open up the front page of the Chicago newspapers and it being another corruption scandal or an FBI investigation. So you reduce that by limiting the power of the alderman and incorporating more of community input. Um, let me ask you about a headline story. Uh, how strongly should Illinois bid to get Amazon to come to Chicago? Well, I think Amazon would be a great addition to our city in, in the sense of it would bring in more jobs, but we should not give a multi, multi-billion dollar corporation billions of dollars in tax cuts. When we are in Chicago leaving uh, our small businesses behind and not giving them the requisite needs that they, they feel. So again, if I would recruit Amazon as best as we can, but I will not give these multi-billion dollar tax cuts when we are struggling for our small businesses who deserve a lot of attention as well. Um, let's turn to education briefly. We have about uh, two minutes, a little bit more uh, to go. You promised to challenge the teachers union. Challenge them to do what? Well, a few things. One, we have to start paying our teachers the starting salary more because we need to recruit more people into the profession. I would challenge the teachers union in the sense of having them work with me on this new system that I have in place to bring education into the 21st century. Because right now our educational system is set up through a K-12 through mentality. And what we're, we're telling our students is that, hey, in order to succeed, you have to get a college education. And that's wrong. So what I would do, I would change the system into a K through 10, meaning once the student gets into junior year of high school, he or she will determine what they what they want to do. So if, if a student wants to go to college, they would do 100% academics for their junior and senior year. But then you have the student who might not feel that college is their path. So what we do is those individuals will go do 50% education and 50% trades training. So now what we're doing is preparing the students who don't want to go to college, we're preparing them for a trade and therefore be investing in their careers at an earlier age than what we're doing now. And that will work. That will bring more people into different professions and give them more skill sets before they graduate high school. Did you know what you wanted to do when you were in high school? I had an idea. And the, 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 the best thing about that is that I was able to shadow different professions to get a feel of what it would entail. And I think that when you get early experience in these different professions, you are then more prepared to make a decision on what you want to do in life. So then what do you do in the schools to make sure that when kids and their families make those decisions, they do know what the realistic choices are. They do have a a sense of what they could be. Exactly. So I have a program in place called the Little Professionals League. And what that would entail is these high school students shadowing different professions during their summer months uh, while they are in high school. So now if somebody wants to be a carpenter or a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber, they will uh, be investing their time during the summer months in these different professions to then narrow down of what they would like to do because we can't 
have our students not know what they want to do after high school, but my program will allow them to get experience at an early age. Okay. And, uh, let me ask you a very quick question. Do you support vouchers, giving parents money to send their children to private and religious schools as well as public schools? If it, I, I believe that the parents and the students should pick the, where they want to go and that money should not be an issue. So that, that, is that a yes? Yeah, so that, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because th- what that does is allow the parents to determine, hey, what the best school is for their child. Because we keep telling students in Chicago, you have to go to that school because that's how much uh, finances your parents make. And that's wrong. And you're not worried about it draining resources from the... Uh... From the no, I, I think system. the best thing to do is have schools compete and let and have the best ones rise up and, the, and then make sure our, we're investing more money in our students and teachers. That's going to be the last word. Thank you, mayoral candidate John Kozlar, for spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. Uh, I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.